Hello and welcome to part 3 of Android Accessibility. I want to begin by expressing my sincere gratitude to Chris Grabowski, Ricky Inger, Pratik Patel, and Allison Hartley for sharing their Nexus 7 wisdom and Android expertise during part 3 of this podcast. This one is a bit longer than I typically do on the Tech Doctor podcast, but I want to keep all four of these conversations together in one place because I think it really does provide you with a lot of depth and breadth in terms of what some really smart, creative people have experienced with the Nexus 7 and Android accessibility. Also, you'll want to listen for an exciting announcement during my conversation with Allison Hartley. Without further ado, let's get on with the interviews. Well, it's a real pleasure to have with me on the Tech Doctor podcast, Chris Grabowski. And Chris and I have been friends and colleagues and fellow beta testers on various projects for years. And honestly, Chris, I consider you to be one of the most tech-savvy people that I know, and so I'm really glad that you agreed to come on and talk with us a little bit about your recent Android experience. But before we jump into that, please just take a moment and say hi to the Tech Doctor listeners and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, and I work for Sendero Group. I'm in the technical support department and um, have been doing that for about six years, but have been into technology um, for probably half my life, if that. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. We've, we've been doing this stuff a long time, and it's hard to believe it's been six years that you've been with Sendero. Boy, the time really goes by. Sure does. I know that in addition to your work with Sendero, you do a podcast yourself called the Mystic Place Podcast. And it's one that I subscribe to. And in a recent edition of your podcast, I heard you do a demonstration of a uh, package tracking application. And you did something fascinating. You demonstrated it both for Android and the Nexus 7. I think you were using TalkBack as your screen reader. And you did it on the iPad, of course, using VoiceOver as your screen reader. And I'm in the middle right now of doing a series of podcasts on Android accessibility. And the Tech Doctor listeners have tolerated two parts of my experience so far of getting started with Android. I, I had never even used an Android device until last week when I started with the Nexus 7. So what I'd like to know from you to start with is... What has your Android experience been like in terms of learning it, getting started with it, and so forth? Well, getting started with it, um, I purchased the Nexus 7 in the beginning of December, and I got it home and was so excited to get it up and running. And for some reason, I could not do it. Um, so it wasn't a seamless, out-of-the-box Let's get TalkBack installed and up and running. The two-finger gesture didn't work. So I don't know if it was older software that was running on it or if the battery low dialogue came up. I'm not sure what it was, but it didn't work, and I had to wait until I got sighted assistance to 
get TalkBack enabled. And uh, once I did that, I was playing around with the Android operating system and liked the customizability so much that I went from an iPhone 4 to a Galaxy Note 2 uh, cell phone as well. So I still have uh, the iPad and the Nexus 7 and now the Android phone as well. Okay, so you've switched phones to to the Android and the Nexus 7. And when you say the customizability of it, can you just give an example or two of what you mean by that? Yes, for example, um, there's this um, app that allows you to receive incoming calls, call waiting calls, and uh, have them announced. I know TalkBack will do that, but the customizability of having uh, the call announced looped when your phone is ringing so it'll say call from you know in the number or the name if the name is in the contacts and then another a few seconds later it'll say it again Um, this actually works on a call waiting call as well without you having to do anything the other thing too as far as customizability goes I use Google Voice as my home phone so I have a a box that uh, you can use Google Voice with a phone number, and it forwards to that vo- to that uh, box, and it also forwards to your cell phone number. And when I installed the Google Voice app, it wanted me to um, configure it in such a way that it can use the Google Voice account to make outgoing phone calls. So when you make an outgoing phone call with my cell phone, the Google Voice number shows up on... Uh, people's caller ID. And it is not possible to customize the iPhone and uh, voiceover to do these same things with Google Voice, or or, or is it? Um, as far as Google Voice goes, I don't believe so because of the way that the sandboxing is on the iPhone uh, without jailbreaking, and I didn't want to go with jailbreaking. And also, as far as uh, rooting or installing custom ROMs on Android, I didn't want to do that either. Right. So I, I gather from what you're saying that in some ways it's nice on Android for you because you're operating within that Google ecosystem. Correct. I personally don't use Google Voice, and so don't, and I operate much more in the Apple ecosystem except for the Nexus 7, so I'm just kind of thinking out loud a little bit, but it seems like that's really one thing for people to consider is what, what you know, if, if you've got a house full of Apple devices, then uh, iOS might be um, something to really stick with, but if you are really into the Google ecosystem, it seems like what you're telling us is there's a bit, at least that's one example of where it's nice to move in that direction. Correct. You weren't able to get uh, TalkBack up and running out of the box, and it sounds like you never quite got to the bottom of exactly why that didn't work. No, I didn't. Um, I just, once I had someone come over that had, you know, sighted assistance, I was able to to have them turn it on. It took 
less time for them to turn it on than for us to figure out why. And then once it was turned on, there were lots of updates that needed to be installed, and the updates just came in, and, and I updated them. And uh, when I was at the Verizon store to get the the Note 2, um, I just was standing there, and of course they're in the phone and configuring it, so I turned it on, so they did. It is nice that, like voiceover, TalkBack comes built in on these devices. I had a little better success than you did. I was able to get TalkBack to come on. It wasn't just seamless and automatic. I had to fool around with it a bit and finally end up keeping my fingers on the screen and tapping the power button, which seemed to wake things up and it went ahead and finished loading at that point. So I guess I was a little more fortunate than you were. But I think one of the things that Apple has really put the bar pretty high, at least in my mind as far as accessibility goes, is that it seems like we now want to be able to access these devices right out of the box. And people are having, at least from your experience and in my experience, a bit of mixed mixed success with that, it sounds like. Yes, and one thing I will say too about uh, you know the, the Apple versus the Android um, debate, one thing that I've noticed from my personal experience, the integration between VoiceOver and Siri is second to none where the using a voice assistant on Android is not a pleasant experience because TalkBack is talking over the voice assistant and it's the phone or tablet is then talking to itself. Okay. I've heard other people say that, that, <laughs> that TalkBack can really interfere with voice assistant. It, it, it does. Um, uh, like, for example, this one that I use called Eva... Um, you know, it works pretty good until it starts filling up the screen and then it'll say list, listing items, uh, you know, talk back, will say the listing items, one of 25 and then it'll go down to 60 of a hundred and I'm just pulling numbers out of the air. Right. But, but once it starts doing that, then it, all bets are off. And is it, is it a problem if you're wearing headphones or if, if, the speaker can't be heard is it still a problem it is not a problem as far as if you're putting earphones on but if you're out and about and you're taking down a, a quick number or trying to make an appointment um you don't want to go out and say okay let me put my earphones on before i can put the appointment in right so yeah so that is sounds like something for people to keep in mind is that right now at least there is a bit of a gotcha with voice assistant and talk back correct how have you found your experience otherwise to be with talk back i found it um pretty nice and also on the you you don't know this because uh, the nexus doesn't have the vibrating motor but the haptic feedback on the android is really nice because you can slide your finger across and it'll it'll vibrate for you know when you're typing on the keyboard, so you just slide your finger across, and it's vibrating when you hit a key, or when you you're going around the screen, you can find buttons and stuff that way. So the button actually will vibrate when you when you touch it. The entire phone vibrates, but what? Yeah, once you hit the button, you you get a vibration. And that would be true for any button. 
Yes. So really the vibration only tells you that you're on a button or on an item. Correct. But still, it get, that's a more feedback than, than you get on the Nexus w- with no vibrate motor. Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of a nice feature. Are there other things that jump out at you that you really like about the Android experience versus the iOS voiceover experience? I like being able to purchase and use other speech engines. Right now I have Google, the Google text-to-speech engine, and I also have about four voices from Acapella, and I have the uh, Ivona Kendra installed. The Ivona Kendra is a little slow at typing, but it should get better. And um, the S-Fox voices, I also have a couple of those installed, and I can just switch them on, on, and when I feel like a different voice. I looked at the Ivona voices in the Google Play Store and was a little frightened. It said they were in beta, and I wasn't sure whether I was getting something that was stable and reliable. And then I also heard from someone that you can't speed them up. Is that is that the case? or I haven't really played with the speeding them up issue, but when I was playing with Kendra, she was a little a little slow as far as responsiveness. So it was it wasn't really noticeable when going around the screen, but it was noticeable when um, using the keyboard to type. Okay, and so, but the acapella voices you're finding them to work quite well. It, they were pretty responsive. Yes. I haven't tried any of the other voices yet. That's one of my next things to experiment with. One thing to keep in mind when you're downloading uh, voices, I found this out the hard way. And uh, when I was downloading the SVOX voices, you have to download the main engine and then you download the voice. But it says downloading the voice from the Play Store. But then you have to open that, that shortcut and actually download the voice data. So before I actually download the voice data, I switched my default voice to the SVOX voice and lost speech. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the way I rectified this, which is really kind of cool, was to go to the uh, Play Store on the computer and uninstall the voice from the Play Store on the computer, and it uninstalled it from the Nexus, which then restored the Google TTS. You are nothing if not creative. (laughs) Good for you. It was was either that or throwing it out the window. (laughs) Yeah, good good, good choice. You made a good choice there. That is one of the cool things about it is that you can get stuff installed or uninstalled either from the uh, computer or from the device itself, and either way it takes care of it on the device that 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 is a really nice thing yes it is so it sounds like that overall your experience has been positive even to the point of switching from the iphone and honestly that surprises me a little bit why is that i love my iphone so much that i really wouldn't want to use a different phone and I get it that a lot of it sounds like is because of Google Voice and and the way that it's all integrated and the ability to hear the caller ID but I'm I'm not 
particularly dissatisfied with what I get from caller ID with with voiceover. But it just surprises me that that you you decided to make that switch. I guess. And it also um, just. As an aside, it's gotten me interested in looking at the Google TV experience and to see how and or if that is accessible. I've heard it is, but again, we know how that goes. I have three Apple TVs, so just it's something to play with in the future, possibly. Well, the thing that I love about it is that I think choice is always optimal. You know, you want to be able to use different operating systems, different platforms, because everyone has different needs, different budget, different situations. And the more that things are available and accessible, the better. So that's what really thrills me about it. Absolutely agree. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Chris, but if you don't mind, tell people just a little bit about how they can listen to your podcast, how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, You can find my podcast at uh, www.mysticplacepodcast.com is one word. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at CGRABO73. That's the Twitter name. And um, that should pretty much do it. Um, Also, email is chris at mysticplace.com. MysticPlacePodcast.com, sorry. I think it's great that you did the podcast where you showed uh, the app on both platforms, and I really encourage people to check that one out because you get a good flavor for how you're using them both, and it's a really nice thing to have that comparison, so I'm glad you did that. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your experience with Android. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I'm very happy to have Rick Inger with me here on the podcast. And, of course, everyone knows Ricky as being one of the stars of the award-winning Sarah Talk podcast, as well as many other shows that she's on. But, Ricky, thank you for taking a few minutes to come on the Tech Doctor podcast. And how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing quite well, and I appreciate uh, your inviting me. Well, the reason I wanted you to come on and talk with us for just a bit is because I'm doing a series right now on Android accessibility. And I was really hoping, I don't know quite how long it's been since you've been working with your Nexus 7, but I'm hoping you can maybe remember a little bit at least about what it was like to uh, purchase the device, get started with it, how accessible was it or wasn't it when you when you got going with it, and bring us up to speed a little bit on what your experience has been. Sure. So I've had the device since August. When I first got the device, <laughs> the, one of the biggest things I remember is the unboxing experience because it was a little bit unpleasant, and maybe I'm just uh, not particularly talented at unboxing things, but the... Uh, the device comes in sort of a, a cardboard box, and when you open this box, it's then time to remove the Nexus 7 from it, and it's pretty firmly lodged in there, so much so that uh, as I was trying to get it out, I was you know, applying all this force to get the thing out, and finally it did come out, and kind of flew across the room a little bit and landed on my carpet uh, on my deck. Uh, The device was fine, luckily, but uh, that was kind of disconcerting uh, as the 
first experience with the device. Well, I'm when, glad you had carpet on your deck. And, and I wonder <laughs> if they've changed that box because when I got mine just last week, I found it very much like unboxing an Apple product. There was a an outer box that had to be removed, but the inner box, you just lifted the lid right off and the Nexus 7 was sitting right on top with... The, wow. With the power, with the USB cable and, and the charger in its uh, compartment underneath. So I don't know whether they've changed that or what, but it really reminded me of an Apple box. That's interesting. They may very well have changed it. I purchased the 8 gig. At the time, I believe there were only 8 gig and 16 gig models, and the difference in price between the two was significant enough that. I just chose to get the 8-gig model, and my primary reasons for wanting to get the device were, number one, to be able to explore Android accessibility and keep up with what was going on in that space, and two, I wanted a tablet for sitting outside on my deck in the summertime and having something to browse with or uh, watch Netflix with or something like that, and I didn't want to use my phone and... I had seen an iPad, and this was before the iPad Mini was available, and I found the iPad a little too big for me, so the Nexus was ideal in that situation. I agree with you. I love the size of it. I have a full-size iPad 3, and I find that I tend to like the size of the Nexus 7 a lot better than I like the larger iPad. So I definitely agree with that. But it's in Android years, you're, you've had your device for quite a long time, all the way back to August. So I, I can just imagine that maybe uh, it was a much earlier version of Android when you took it out of the box. And I, I don't even know whether it was set up in such a way that accessibility could be turned on at that point. Luckily, it was, and that portion of the proceedings went well for me. I've heard from a lot of other people that uh, whenever they press and hold two fingers on the device, uh, accessibility didn't come up and prompt them to continue holding their fingers on the device. I'm not sure why, but this worked very well for me, so I was able to go through and independently set up the device, go through the tutorial and all that fun stuff. But it was running Jelly Bean 4.1 at that time. Uh, and even so, I think the device had to update at least twice right out of the box once I got through the setup process. A lot has changed uh, between August and now. You're really right on with uh, saying that, you know, in Android years, I've had this for quite some time. When I first got the device, there were some things that were incredibly frustrating for me. And the one that I can think of off the top of my head uh, that was such a big deal was typing. Whenever I would try and type something on the keyboard, TalkBack would echo the letter under my finger, and I would lift my finger to enter the character and a lot of times that character wouldn't enter. So TalkBack was being pretty aggressive about announcing letters, even if my finger wasn't positioned properly to enter those letters. That has since changed in 4.2. I also noticed a lot of browser crashes 
in 4.1, and I'm not sure if it was to do with the combination of accessibility and a somewhat unstable browser, or if it was just, you know, it would have crashed regardless of what I was using. Thankfully, that too has improved with uh, 4.2. Lastly, uh, and this is something I'm still a little bit frustrated with, uh, 4.1 did not have any method by which you could read from cursor. You know, there was no say-all option in the version of TalkBack that shipped with 4.1. And by the way, that version was not the latest version of TalkBack, but it was the latest version of TalkBack that could be gotten from the Play Store at the time because of some strange bug with uh, Explore by Touch and Jelly Bean. So the update to TalkBack going from 4.1 to 4.2 was pretty significant. But again, in 4.1, there was no uh, there was no say-all feature in 4.2 there is now although I still find that particular thing to be a little bit cumbersome to use yes the way that it's implemented where you have to select it from an on-screen sort of set of options that you have to move your finger around and find it's not that convenient at least at least for me so far it's doable but it's it's not great in terms of the UI yes agreed so that's actually interesting because my uh, Nexus 7, which I just opened last week, was also running some version of 4.1 when I took it out of the box, and it updated 4.1 once and then updated to 4.2. And, of course, I was able to update TalkBack in the Google Play Store because it's it's all changed now and it's working properly, apparently, with, with Jelly Bean. Yeah. So... It sounds like you you and I were a couple of the lucky people who were able to have accessibility out of the box. I talked earlier with Chris Grabowski, and he said that he could not get his Nexus 7, which he just got recently, to talk and had to get some help with it. So it sounds like there is some inconsistency with that accessibility out of the box and Apple has really kind of set the bar there I think in some ways and spoiled us all making us want to be able to for sure access our devices and set them up without having to get sighted assistance with them so that that piece does appear to be a little bit inconsistent one thing I have heard and I don't really have a way to verify this but I've heard that if you have the device sitting on a flat surface rather than slightly tilted, maybe if you're holding it in your hand sort of above your lap, uh, set it on a flat surface like a table before placing your two fingers kind of spread apart down on the screen. And it seems to be a little more consistent uh, that way with turning on accessibility. I wouldn't doubt it because I had mine sitting on my desk when I did it. And right. it, it actually worked quite well for me, although I, I, I got part of the way it, it's, it started talking to me, but it didn't finish uh, setting up. I think it didn't load the Explore by Touch module, but for some reason I kept my fingers on the screen and tapped the, the um, unlock button and it went ahead and did it. So it might have gone to sleep or oh. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but when I tapped the uh, unlock button, it, it went ahead and fully loaded the screen reader so i think it's a little the getting started process is is just a bit quirky maybe yes 
So you had the idea that you would get this tablet, obviously, to be able to keep up with what's going on with Android accessibility. And, and I think you're really right that it's, it's a, a moving target right now. And so we can expect to see lots of updates with, with lots of improvements. But it sounds like you also got it with the hope that you could sit out on your, on your deck and actually make some use of it. Have you found it to be accessible enough to get practical use out of, or what's that been like? Um, well, it's been interesting. I have deliberately chosen to keep email off the device because I have so many devices that do have email on them and kind of keep me in touch with what's going on at work and things like that. And I want to be able to turn that off sometimes. So I haven't done a lot with email deliberately. Web browsing is something that works and yet uh, there are things that I'd like to see improvements with. So, namely, I want a way to be able to navigate by headings through web pages. Right now, I can read web pages. I can explore them with my finger. And depending on what the page is, uh, that works well enough. With that said, there are some pages that it's just so much easier if you can navigate by headings. I have primarily used Chrome. I've installed Firefox as well, but uh, I haven't installed from the Firefox nightly builds. And it's my understanding that if I were to do that, there is some ability to uh, do heading navigation and a couple of other navigation features in that nightly build version of Firefox. So I'm looking forward to playing with that. I have been able to read books on the device. I've looked at Google Books and Google Magazines, and that is a very, very nice experience. I enjoy that. I also have installed Netflix on the device. That works well, too. And one tip I have that may or may not still be relevant is when you're first setting up Netflix on your device you need to enter your login credentials and then there is a continue button. If you are flicking around the screen, you may flick to the continue button and try and double tap it and uh, nothing happens except that it says clicked. However, if you find that continue button with your finger and double tap it, and you know completely just disregard flicking around you uh it will continue and it will log you in sounds like a focus issue yes that when you flick continues not getting focused for exactly some reason. yeah so if you find it with your finger and it's relatively easy to do that then you can just click it and be on your merry way i was really excited when i first uh, got the device and was not particularly pleased with the uh, standard Google Voice, and so I was looking around and found the acapella voices. Acapella Heather happens to be one of my favorite uh, high-quality synths, and for about $5 in uh, the App Store, you can get this voice, and you can purchase more voices that, uh, that you like. A lot of people like Ivona as well, so I appreciate that there are some good text-to-speech voices available in uh, the Google Play Store. 
I've heard at this point that you can't really speed up the Ivona voices. Is it possible to speed up Heather? And if so, can you speed her up very much? You can speed her up. She's not quite as fast as I wish that she were, but uh, she's fast enough that I don't feel like I'm saying, hurry up, hurry up, read. And the method of speeding up voices, I guess across the entire uh, group of text-to-speech voices, you get slow, normal, fast, and fastest or whatever. So you don't get a slider where you can be kind of fine-grained about your your control. Right. But uh, with Heather set on the fastest speed, she's she sounds pretty good. She's probably about the speed of... Uh, the uh, iOS voice at 100%. Okay, I'm going to have to get Heather. I haven't tried that that voice yet. I've just been using the default voice, but it sounds like Heather, I like Heather as well, and that would be workable for me. So that's good to know. Yeah, I was a little frustrated by the way they handle the speeding up of voices and don't give you more ability to increment that speed but oh well, that it, it works, and so yeah. it's kind of a minor issue. I did want to ask you one question about your experience with Google Books, and that is that I have not been able to do anything other than have the device read continuously, but I can't seem to move around a book by uh, line or word or character or anything like that. Have, are you able to do that? I'm not, unfortunately, and I've looked at this with both books and magazines. It is a little frustrating, uh, especially with a magazine. If it's a book, I will typically like to just have it on continuous reading, and there's not a lot of review that I want to do. Right. But um, with a magazine, I tend to skim those a little more, and uh, it's not it's not an ideal experience and i've noticed that sometimes if i am moving my finger around on the screen perhaps to try and review a line things suddenly slow down and nothing happens and then all of a sudden i get the sound of 120 keystrokes entered at once right i've seen that happen before a couple times too and that that's a little bit uh, frustrating because you're kind of you can be kind of stuck at that point. Yeah. Until things sort of free up and go back to normal. So just in general, um, how would you rate your experience of usability? Or are you are you glad you bought it to use on your patio? Is it, is it that good at this point, or are you kind of disappointed in it? Or how would you just generally rate rate your experience? I feel like it's not quite where I want it to be for an everyday device. I can use it to look at Twitter and Facebook and some websites, assuming that they don't require a lot of uh, heading or form control navigation. And I can use it to read books. But again, it's not quite where I want it to be. At this point, I find that I'm spending more time finding little workarounds to do what I want to do than I am just actually picking up the device and using it casually. With that said, I've had this device since August, and 
even in that sh- relatively short amount of time, I've seen some vast improvements in how this works. And so I I don't find myself disappointed because it's more that I'm waiting and looking forward to seeing what happens next. If I felt like development in terms of accessibility had kind of halted and I wouldn't really be seeing anything for another year, year and a half or whatever, I would be very disappointed and I would rethink the decision for having gotten it. But I feel like there are lots of things happening in terms of accessibility. So it's really just a matter of time before the device is where I want to see it as far as usability. One of the motivations that I had for doing this series on Android accessibility is I realize that an awful lot of people who are blind just are not in a position to be able to afford the Apple and iOS devices. And the Android devices are significantly less expensive. And so I was really wondering whether or not at this point in time here in the middle of January 2013, I could with you know, in good conscience, recommend people choosing an Android device if that's what they can afford. And and I, I think I'm a little bit on the fence with it. I I have gotten my device to do the things that I wanted it to do, pretty much. But it's taken me last. It took me most of last weekend to get the pod casting client working the way that I wanted to because I had to download some files and do some sort right. of sort of geeky things to to import my podcast from my other device and so forth and so my, my the jury's a little bit out for me on that I think I could recommend it if someone was willing to be a bit geekier or it sort of has the personality that they don't mind you know taking some time to do some workarounds it sounds like maybe maybe that's kind of where you're at with it too. Absolutely, I'm like that in terms of getting it as a tablet where you don't have any external keyboard, uh you're you're relying exclusively on explore by touch and then of course there's just the somewhat geeky nature of Android in general. Having said that, I think it depends on what a person wants from the device. I think that if somebody is looking for a smartphone and they get something with buttons on it and there's a dedicated menu button and you know some other things it would be a little better experience than it is again uh, relying exclusively on explore by touch And then there's the issue of, well, what do you want your phone to do? Do you want it to be a phone? Do you want it to be a contact manager, calendar, uh, that kind of thing? I think those things Android can handle accessibly pretty well right now. But if you do want it to download your podcasts as well, you want it to uh, browse the web and do the things that a lot of people tend to do on smartphones then, yeah, you may have to be a little geekier to get those things to work. Yeah, that's kind of been my experience so far. Well, I promised you that I wouldn't take up too much of your time, so I want to go ahead and bring this to a close pretty quickly here, but I do wonder if there's anything that you can think of off the top of your head about 
Android accessibility that you haven't said that you would like to mention before we stop? One thing is that uh, there are other options aside from TalkBack. I have explored uh, Spiel, and uh, I have not explored the options such as Ideal Web Reader or Mobile Accessibility from Code Factory. I think those are some interesting options, but I wanted to stick with the stock Android experience initially as much as I could. If you're looking at using Spiel, it is available, but be aware that you're not going to have any of the gestures like uh, flicking and things like that. You will have to find each element on the screen individually. Having said that, Spiel can handle some things that TalkBack can't, so don't be afraid to explore that if you're getting a Nexus and uh, you want to see what another screen reader can do. Well, thanks, Ricky. That's a good idea, and that is one of the exciting things about Android is there are a lot of things to download, a lot of things to try, a lot to be explored, and so it's really great in my mind that we have these choices. I'm still a big Apple fanboy, and I'll always keep using my Apple devices, but I love the fact that there there are more options out there now. So thank you very much for spending a little time here on the Tech Doctor Podcast. Thank you. It was great. I appreciate your having me. Well, I'm very pleased to have Pratik Patel with me on the podcast. And Pratik is a nationally known expert in accessible technology. And I happen to know that you have also recently gone down the road of starting to work with the Nexus 7 and taking a look at Android accessibility. So that's what we're going to spend a few minutes talking about, just to get a flavor for what your experience has been like. But before we jump into that, Pratik, if you don't mind, take just a moment, say hi to the Tech Doctor listeners, and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on, Robert. And I'm really pleased to be here. And yes, actually, we bought the Nexus within a couple of days of one another. I am the CEO of a company called EasyFire. We're based out of New York, and we work on a variety of accessibility issues, including doing work with companies and organizations who provide accessibility, uh, who, who develop applications and websites and who create devices uh, and we work with them to make these things accessible. Um, so as a part of the work that we do, we end up testing a lot of things. Uh, and I feel that it's my job to make sure that we're aware of the latest happenings, uh, you know, other than just following the news, to have the experience from the user's perspective of these devices and applications and software. Sounds like a dream job where you get to play with a whole bunch of stuff. You know, not a lot of times. I occasionally take the pleasure of doing it. Uh, most of the time, as as the head of the company, I end up doing a lot of administration. Oh, too bad. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Maybe that's why I'm not the head of a company and just a psychologist. We did get the Nexus 7 just within a few days of each other. We were kind of tweeting back and forth about it. Uh, so if you will, you know, think back to that day when you got it and Tell us a little bit about what kind of experience you had unboxing it and trying to get accessibility going on it. What was that like? Let me just 
back up a little bit and, and let our the listeners know that I'm not completely unfamiliar with Android. Um, I used to have an Android 2.3 device, the gingerbread device. So um, I'm not coming to Android as a completely new user. The accessibility to the Nexus 7 is is uh, slightly new. It, it didn't used to be like this. So um, I'll talk about it from that perspective. Um, I think unboxing it is fairly simple, um, except that I ended up breaking the box because it was so tight in the sleeve. Um, but other than that, I think the device is pretty easy to look at, too easy to figure out. There aren't that many things that can go wrong. Um, getting accessibility started was just a little bit of a challenge. You know, I used the gesture, the two-finger gesture, to start accessibility on the Nexus. It went fine until I went through the tutorial. Uh, for some reason, the accessibility after that was a bit difficult. It it completely had uh, unlabeled buttons and it had an unlabeled uh, area where you can choose the language selection for some some really really strange reason. I ended up picking Indonesian as my default language. Uh oh. Without knowing how. Uh oh. Okay. So that was my first adventure, and so I had to get some sighted assistance to figure out what was happening and search on the Google knowledge base to see how I can reset um, this Nexus Seven. Uh, I ended up doing that after you know reading a bunch of articles and you know, getting some sighted assistance to actually reset it because that part is not accessible. Um, second time around, it went fine, and I was able to set it up okay. Yeah, that is kind of an odd thing to have happen. I, I noticed myself that after you press the start button on the welcome screen and you can select different languages if you aren't careful, you can accidentally get that selection changed from... American English to heaven only knows what language you might get it changed to. And it's a little bit hard to navigate that particular set of dialogues, especially if you're not very familiar with the Nexus 7 and and Android like I was, and it was really my first experience with it. Fortunately, I didn't end up changing my language, but I do see how that could fairly easily happen that's that's too bad but it's nice that you got it squared away and you got accessibility right out of the box that's something that apple has set the bar for us on i think is that we now believe at least i believe accessibility should begin when you take a device out of the box so that's pretty cool that it worked that way absolutely so once you got it running and got past the language snafu what kind of things are you seeing that you like or don't like about it at this point? You know, there are a couple of things that I definitely like about the Android operating system in general. You know, they do a very, very nice job of giving you a choice of uh, different options, say if you want to change the home screen to a different um, you know, different way of doing things. You know, if you want to create a list instead of those set of icons, you can do that. One thing that I don't like about it is the set of virtual buttons that sit there at the bottom of the screen, the, the back home and the recent buttons. It is extremely disconcerting when you're trying to get to a particular icon 
uh, and the accessibility or the talkback doesn't respond to you in the way that you think it should. You know, sometimes the targets are too small for you to touch. Sometimes the targets are too big. So if you're trying, you know, if you're moving your finger from the bottom of the screen, trying to go up to figure out, you know, say if you want to place, uh, hit the application button or something else on the screen, sometimes talkback won't talk. It freezes. So the responsiveness is a bit of an issue. It's not as smooth as I would like it to be. So those are a couple of things. Yeah, I've noticed a little bit of lack of smoothness at times. Uh, I, I can agree with that. Honestly, haven't had a lot of trouble accessing things. It's a, a bit to get used to. I have noticed that sometimes when I tap on a button nothing happens and that may be the same kind of thing that, that you're talking about. I'm not sure if that's a focus issue or if the touch screen is not quite as uh, responsive to touch as maybe the iOS screens are. I haven't yet figured out really exactly what's going on. I think it's a target issue. It's a, it's the size of the target. If you notice the icons, um, you know, you can fit a lot of icons into that area. So, uh, you know, the dock, for example, can fit up to six or seven icons in there. So if you look at that horizontal area, it seems a lot smaller than what you would typically expect on either an iPad or, or the iPhone. So you're not, you're, if you're coming from a touch-based system, you're not used to that, um, or the level of precision needed to tap on a particular icon or, 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 or something is a lot, um, yeah, you know, that precision, that that accuracy is a lot higher. The threshold is a lot higher. Yeah, and I've found that with my particular uh, Nexus Seven, it's sometimes difficult for me to get the screen to unlock. I yes. will slide on the unlock area, and sometimes it works perfectly, and sometimes it's just hard to get it to unlock. And that may again be sort of the, some of the same kinds of things that, that you're talking about also. Mm -hmm. You are, it sounds like, impressed at least with the progress that has been made and impressed with the customizability. I haven't actually tried customizing the home screen. I should experiment with that. And it sounds like that that can be quite helpful if you do that. It can be, yeah. There, there are you know there are a couple of the you know there are a couple of different home screens out there that you can choose that allow you to pick um, how you want your icons laid out or how many icons and things like that. And I, I found I can't remember the name of it right now. It, I, I can send that to you so that you can tell your uh, listeners. Uh, but there's one particular one that I, I like and I installed, and it made my life a lot easier to deal with. And so, you what you actually do? Are you saying that you you find these home screen layouts as some sort of template? It's a part that, of the that, app, yeah. And you, you just install an app, and and that, yep. okay. And so, I don't understand really what what the deal is with the home screens. Honestly, my device, the way that it's set up by default, seems to have five pages of home screen, and all five pages seem to be basically identical. I, I don't understand what the point is really, but maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, there. Are, um, so, for example, the fourth screen is typically devo devoted to, by default, is devoted to widgets. Um, so, you know, there, there are widgets that you can update in you know, live widgets, like whether um, if you're, you know, if you got another app that 
tracks, RSS feeds. You can have different widgets and you can put them on those screens so that you can get information directly. You don't have to open an app. Um, so there's a Gmail widget that shows you the latest um, mail that's coming in. Uh, you don't have to open the entire app to look at that that kind of information so, or Google Now. And you can put them on different screens. Okay, yeah, I, I my device typically defaults to screen three, but screen three. Whenever mm-hmm. I install an app, it switches to screen four. Right, and because because it you know some of the some of the apps when when you install them, some of the apps have widgets, others don't. Yeah, so I assume that's why it makes that switch because it's showing me that there's a now a widget installed for that app. Coming exactly. f- coming from iOS, widgets are not something that. We're just we're absolutely unfamiliar with, but th- they're used a whole lot more in Android. And and I are you finding them to be accessible with Talkback? Most of them are. Um, the apps that I've installed so far tend tend to have accessible widgets. Um, I actually like widgets, um, especially because when you're trying to get some kind of information really quickly and you don't want to open an application. Um, you can just go to one screen and, and get that information. So I have a stock widget that allows me to track the stocks that I have in my portfolio. The weather u- widget isn't that useful unless I'm traveling, but um, Gmail widget, I'm often looking at my mail um, or at least not trying to look at my mail, just looking at the subject and, and a couple of lines to see if it's useful for me to actually open it up and respond to it. Yeah, I found Gmail actually works pretty well with talk back. I'm just using the default it does, Gmail yeah. client, but I've been able to read messages fine, reply to messages, compose messages, and that really seems to work okay. And I'm actually pretty pleased with how the on-screen keyboard works in most cases with TalkBack. I've found a few instances where edit boxes, especially when you have to enter things like usernames and passwords, don't don't let you review what you've written. And so there seems to be some inconsistency there, but most of them work pretty well, I found. Yeah, and there are a couple of accessibility things that are missing. I think there, you know, there are some fundamental issues with accessibility in Talkback. You know, what I feel like, and as I, as I've been tracking the development of of Talkback and, and accessibility in Google, uh, in in Android, what I find is that there's been some. Um, some missing component where the basic things haven't been thought out. Like the Nexus 7 doesn't have a proximity sensor like some of the fo- a lot of the phones do. Um, and what happens is that the pause gesture has been defined to be activated when you wave your hand near the proximity gesture. And that's a, you know, th- that's, that's a, bit of a no-no for me because if you can't pause speech as you're um, as you're listening to something and trying to listen to something else, it makes your life a lot difficult. And I think that's what makes a lot of the lagging um, appear to us as a system problem and not necessarily just a talkback problem. I found that when I'm in Google Play Books, at least when I'm reading a book, oddly enough that a, a single finger Double tap seems to pause the speech. But that's a gesture specifically designed for Google Play Books and not for the entire system. Yeah. That's you know, that that's what I'm saying when I you know, when I say fundamental problems with accessibility. Um so you know, if you're trying to go toward the top 
top of the screen, top edge of the screen where the notification area is. If you accidentally touch the notification area and if you've got a lot of notifications there, it will keep on talking and won't shut up. And so touching the screen somewhere else doesn't pause doesn't that. Doesn't always pause that. Um, yeah, I think your 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 int keyword there is always because I I think I've experienced that sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, so they need a consistent way to define that. Um, also, I find you know things like trying to find a gesture to read continuously that the the gesture that lets you do um, continuous reading is good, but it can't be a two-step gesture because it's a fundamental thing that everybody's going to need to do. So I think what I what I feel like they've done is is good, but there are some really fundamental things that they need to address and think about as a as an experience, not as a yeah, it's really fancy and you can do it the way they've done it, but is it really usable? Yeah, I think to elucidate your point a little bit on the Nexus 7 with TalkBack, to read continuously, you you have to swipe up and then swipe right, and then you get a sort of a context menu that you can locate different read continuously options on the screen, like start from the current location or start from the top of the screen or cancel, things like that. And and so you have to go through quite a bit of gesturing and choosing of options to make it work, whereas, for example, in iOS, you simply swipe two fingers down exactly. the screen for it to start reading continuously. So there's quite a difference in the process that you have to go through. Yeah, and God forbid you accidentally hit the, had, had the top most option that says suspend talkback, then you got to go through that dialog box that says, are you sure you want to right, do it? Right. There is a suspend talkback option. It's on the left of the screen. And I find that, you know, you have to kind of get a, be pretty good at your spatial orientation so that you get, because cons- if, if you're not pretty consistent with these gestures, they're not mm-hmm. very reliable in my not experience. Reliable. Exactly. They, they, they don't work very well. So honestly, you know, what I've found for me, as strange as it may sound, learning to get more efficient with the Nexus 7 and TalkBack is honestly a bit like learning to play a musical instrument. It is. You you have to get consistent and be able to repeat the same thing in the same way every time to get the kind of reliability that I want from a device. And that's not a terrible thing, but if I had to say anything about a, a major difference that I see between iOS and Android accessibility right now is Android takes more practice. Yes, it does. Uh, you know, and to me, the the question comes down to this. I'm a geek. I can figure things out. Um, it's going to take me a little time to figure things out, um, but that's what I do, and I, I enjoy doing that. It may frustrate me from time to time, but I enjoy doing that. But if people are expecting Android to have a widespread adoption, if Google is expecting that, then they need to do a little bit of a better job of catering to beginning users or intermediate users, and not just those of us who enjoy puttering with these devices. And my job is to make sure that we address the needs of those users and not only us. Yes, and so it sounds like your feeling is similar to mine in that Right now, where we are in the mid-January 2013 with Android accessibility is that it 
can be done. You can make these apps work well enough to get use out of them, but you need to be prepared to put your geek on to accomplish some of it. And that's a big difference, as I see it, for an awful lot of people between Android and Apple and iOS right now is that if you don't have that kind of personality where you're okay spending part of your weekend, as I did last weekend, getting, figuring out a workaround to get the uh, pod catching app that I was trying to use called Dog Catcher to mm-hmm. download my OPML file of 62 podcast feeds. It took a while for me to figure out a way to make that happen. I finally did it and I was pleased with my success. But if you're a person who isn't into spending your Saturday afternoon doing that, Android may not be at a place where you, it's it's the way you want to go right now. That's kind of how I feel. Now, would you agree with that? Absolutely. So if I had to describe it in, in, in a phrase, I would say it's good, but it's not good enough. Yeah, and, and do you think, Pratik, that when you say not good enough – it, are you in some, on some level comparing it to what Apple has done? No, um, I don't want to compare it to Apple because Apple has had four years to improve on on what they started with. What I feel like it it it, it, it is is that it's not even at a level where a individual user can just pick up a device. Uh, you know, somebody somebody who's not us. Uh, can pick up a device and and really quickly learn it and get used to it. That's my essential issue with it. So that's that's what I mean when I say not good enough. It's good enough for me. It's good enough for you. Yeah, somebody like Ricky who who works at Saratech, um, we're all geeks, and that that's what I mean when I say it's not good enough. It's it's good enough for us. It's just not good enough for them. Right. For, for other users. One of the things that I have really realized in talking with you and Ricky and Chris is that we are all geeks. We all eat, sleep, live and breathe this technology, and we don't mind fooling around with it and, and until we get it to do what we want it to do. And maybe it's a little bit unfair to present only us working with these devices. Maybe it would be really helpful if I talked with someone who, you know, is just kind of a casual user to see what their experience is like because we are – I think we are our, – our, our sample is a bit skewed here. Sure, absolutely. And and I, I will say that Google is trying really hard. They've come a really, really long way, starting with Ice Cream Sandwich. They uh, revamped their accessibility API, which is the back end, to support uh, accessibility throughout the system and throughout the application, you know, throughout the application model. Um, it, it was a lot worse with Ginger, you know, up, up to Froyo uh, 3.0 and 3.1. Um, but with Ice Cream Sandwich, that the back end was been fi- was fixed and now they're really working on different type of support and they've come a really really long way in a short amount of time so i i will give them kudos i'll also give them kudos for being open on the ice free list uh, they're out there they're listening they're watching uh the different interactions if you give suggestions they're noting them down so it's good i'm uh, you know, I, I I will give them kudos for that, and I think they're really looking to do the the right thing. If you put it in terms that they'll understand, but it uh, you know it, it's it's going to take a 
one or more versions to get everything done. Well, it is good. I, I agree with you, and I've said time and time again I'm all about us having more choices, and I'd like to see all yep. operating systems be accessible. And I think for, somehow for me, Jelly Bean 4.2 was the thing that made me, on whatever level, unconsciously decide, okay, I'm ready to really investigate this Android accessibility in a serious way and made me decide to go out and buy the Nexus 7 because I think we are at a point where it's it's really time to be looking at it and podcasting about it and telling people about it. So that's why I really appreciate you coming on here and saying your thoughts about it. And I'm going to wrap this up pretty quickly here, but is there anything that you haven't had a chance to say about Android accessibility or about your work with the Nexus 7 that you would like to leave people with? And if, if not, that's fine, but but just wondering if there's anything we haven't touched on. And just you know, one thing to, to go out with, I think I'm personally enjoying my time with it, part, partly because I, I like to play and if you're adventurous at all, you know, I'm talking to your list, listeners, if you're adventurous at all, and if you want to um, start exploring the system, do look at the Nexus 7 because it doesn't allow you, it, it, it doesn't stick you with a phone uh, where you're absolutely required to use it, but it gives you enough of a, of a device where you can practice, where you can get used to the operating system and get some utility out of it. it. I'm looking forward to the time when I can actually be productive on this device. Yeah, and you know, I would just dovetail on that by saying that I agree with what you've said. At the same time, I find that I can be productive at least in the sense that I can use Twitter fine, I can use Gmail fine, I can listen to audiobooks fine, I can access my podcast fine. At the same time, though, I can do all those things not only fine, but in a lot of ways a bit more easily and a bit more smoothly right now, at least, on my Apple devices. Yes, absolutely. And so people really need to think about what it is you want to do with the Nexus 7. But the thing that I, excites me about it is it seems like there's a lot of potential and that Google's really making a lot of improvements in a hurry. And the other thing is I think it's a device that a lot of blind people who can't find a way to afford an Apple product can't afford likely, more likely a Nexus 7. And that really excites me a lot. It does. It, you know, For $199, it's, it's worth it. Well, hello, everybody. I'm really happy to have with me on this Android Accessibility Part 3, Allison Hartley. And Allison is no stranger to this podcast. You've been here several times before. Thanks for coming back again, and how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me, and hi, everybody. All right, excellent. Before we get into talking about Android accessibility and your experience in particular with the Nexus 7, I have an announcement to make that I'm really excited about, and that is that Allison is going to be joining me on this podcast on a regular basis as a co-host and a fellow contributor, and the reason I'm excited about that is because not only do you bring a lot of access technology experience and expertise, but you bring a real 
passion, a real warmth, a real genuineness that I think people have come to kind of expect and resonate with on this podcast. And I think that we can really do some new and exciting things with it that I just can't do by myself. So thank you so much, Allison, for your courageous willingness to jump on this roller coaster. <laughs> well, thank you. It's going to be so much fun. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. And we'll be spending the next few weeks figuring out exactly how we're going to go about this and how we will best maximize the abilities that we have. But it's going to be a lot of fun and it's a new addition here. And so I can't wait to get started on it, which we sort of are doing right now. But really, I think we'll fully get started in that arena on the next podcast where we're going to do some demos of Android and iOS apps that are compatible. So that's going to be coming up, something you can look forward to. But for today, what I was hoping we could do is just add a little bit to what's already been done here. I've already had the pleasure of speaking with Chris Grabowski, Ricky Inger, and Pratik Patel and you've heard those interviews now about their experience getting started with Android and the Nexus 7. And I, I know that that's something that you have also done fairly recently, Allison, although I'm aware that you were here before talking about another tablet that you tried that turned out not to be accessible. But It was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hats off to you for your willingness to at least experiment and find out. I'm trusting that your experience with Android and the Nexus 7 has been better and different. So can you... Vastly up- different. It's been like night and day. Um, I had heard about the Nexus 7, um, I would say for about a month or so, uh, on the different Sarah Talk podcasts. Um, and finally one night I was hanging out in the chat room, and uh, in the tech chat, and... I believe it was Joe Steinkamp uh, was talking about his Nexus 7 and how great it was. And even though I had had that bad experience with uh, the previous Android tablet that I bought, I had always been kind of curious as to what could be done with it because I had a lot of friends who had Android devices and they seemed to love them. So I decided I'm going to give this a try. So I got a Nexus 7, uh, one for myself and one for my husband, and um, it's been a really, really awesome experience um, in terms of just learning about uh, what Android can offer. It's been really cool. Um, so about how long have you had them? Where, what, at what point did you start in terms of uh, Jelly Bean version? I started with Jelly Bean, I believe it was 4.1.1. And I got my Nexus 7, I know it was before Thanksgiving. It was late October, early November. Um, the days all kind of run together. So but, um, it, was, um, it was roughly three months ago. Okay, um, so you've had it for uh, a lot longer than I've had mine and obviously mm-hmm. have gone through a couple more versions of Jelly Bean than I have, although I, my tablet did start out with version 4.1 and I had to update it a couple times to get it to the current 4.2 but Mm -hmm. you you did have it late enough in the uh, 
evolution of jelly bean that you potentially could have started out with um, turning on accessibility yourself and bringing the tablet up to speed without sighted assistance. And I'm curious to know if indeed you were able to do that and how that worked out. We we were able to do that in the in the long run. What ended up happening is I don't know if it was just because I was uh, tired after a long day of work or something, but I got this tablet and I take it and I turn it on, and I did the two finger uh, the two finger tap and hold. I held two fingers on the middle of the screen, and it started hobbling in Espanol. Okay. <laughs> it started speaking to me in Spanish. I did not know what to do, so I just kind of kept my fingers on the screen. Um, hoping that my very, very rudimentary of knowledge of Spanish would be enough for me to be, to be able to get into settings and change it to English. But then it kind of stopped talking altogether. I figured out how to reset it by hitting the uh, holding down the power button and the volume button, I believe it is. I haven't had to do it since, thank goodness. Um, and we were then able to get accessibility started. We kinda, I kind of had to, to do it a couple of times before I could get it up and running. Um, and my husband helped out too, greatly. Um, but eventually we got it going, and I found um, the tutorial to be pretty straightforward. I really I really appreciated having that, um, because although the gestures, a lot of the gestures are similar to iOS, it just helps to have a, have a jumping off point, a, a, you know, a little tutorial on what to do. Yeah, I thought uh, the tutorial was helpful also. It was great. It was really awesome. Although I had a little trouble with the tutorial. I got started on it okay, but somehow I pressed a button or flicked somewhere or did something that caused the tutorial to exit before I, remember that, yeah. I was able to get through it all. And so that that part was a little bit of a challenge, but you mm-hmm. fortunately can go back and do the tutorial at any time so that worked out fine yeah so once you did this reset thing did the tablet come up speaking in english at that point yes it did speak in english thank goodness (laughs) okay so it must have been somehow set to the spanish language for some reason yeah yeah uh, maybe your maybe your nexus 7 had taken a trip to mexico or something You never know the way they ship these things. Yeah, you know, you never know about that. So that that yeah. is kind of interesting. But once you got it reset and got it up and running and got through the tutorial, it sounds like you're pretty positive about your Nexus yeah, the, 7 accessibility experience. Yeah, the setup process was really easy. I found um I found typing um even in 4.1.1 where I had heard complaints that the typing was a little laggy. Um, I found the typing experience to be similar enough to iOS that I was able to just get up and running, enter all my credentials in, um, set the preferences the way I wanted in terms of the initial setup process. Um, It was really easy. And after you got it up and running, which I think is really quite an accomplishment in itself because we've sort of come to expect or hope that we could take these devices out of the box and and make use of them without sighted assistance so i'm really glad that you know you you were able to have that experience although it sounds like like most of us have have talked about it's uh, in a lot of cases maybe a little less straightforward or you have to work around with it a little more than maybe you do a lot of times with a new 
iOS device, although yeah, you do have to fiddle a little bit more. It's you definitely have to fiddle a little bit more. Although not all iOS devices always come up talking out of the box right. either. They're supposed to. But they're, yeah. they're supposed to. But one advantage I think that iOS still has, at least as far as I've been able to determine over Android, is that because of the way Apple has control over its hardware and its software, and because it requires you to use iTunes to control its devices, which you can argue the pros and cons for that, but nonetheless, the fact that it does operate that way means that you can plug an iOS device into any computer that has iTunes on it and enable accessibility that way. Definitely, and that that has actually saved my life a couple of times. <laughs> and as far as I know, I've found no way to plug a, a, an Android device into a computer and enable accessibility. No, no, there, I have not either. So that's something to think about, just one of the differences that we will certainly be talking more about differences in the next part of this series as we do more demos. But now that you have this new device up and running and accessible, how have you found it just in terms of being able to make use of it with various apps and to do the kinds of things maybe that you want to do with a tablet? How's that been? I found it to be mostly a really positive experience. Um, One difference that I did notice was specifically using the AudioBoo app. Um, I was not able to very easily log in to my AudioBoo account um, on the Nexus 7, whereas on my iPhone, it was a very simple, straightforward process. I had to have a friend actually give me some pretty finite directions in terms of exactly the, the unlabeled image that I had to click on to get to the settings and then another image and it was it was just a little bit convoluted supposedly they're working on a fix for that um i have not tried the audio boo app but i've had similar problems with logging into apps that require a username and password seems like some of them work really well with talk back but some of them give you little to no feedback when you're trying to enter those credentials. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how to explain that inconsistency, but but I've noticed that as well. So I'm not too surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, w- once I actually got to the login area, it, it worked just fine, but it was just, it was getting there was, that was the issue. Have you tried recording audio booths with the Nexus 7? I have done a couple of audio booths with the Nexus 7. Um I have not listened side by side to an audio boo from the Nexus 7 and the iPhone. I, I need to do that because I want to be able to make a, an accurate comparison as to what I think about the two microphone qualities. Um, I think that the Nexus 7 has a pretty good microphone, though. Um, well, that's one thing we might experiment with in part four. Audio boo great. could be a possible yeah. uh, app that we could demo since it is on both platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be awesome. So I know that you are a voracious reader. What has the Nexus 7 been like for you if you've used it as a a reading device? It has basically replaced um, any of the blindness-specific hardware I have. uh, Aside from I do still have to use, of course, my BrailleNote Apex for uh, NLS Bard books. But um, I... 
I am a voracious audiobook reader, especially. Um, and so the Nexus Seven has kind of changed my life in terms of in terms of um, being able to to easily get to, especially my MP3 audiobooks. Um, on the iPhone, I have to say I was a little bit frustrated by how I had to select the different files to to um, mark them as audiobooks, and sometimes even make the M4B files and transfer via iTunes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of iTunes, I can't lie to you. But um, it's nice because with the Nexus 7, I can just copy and paste my MP3 audiobooks. And I actually use an app called Akimbo Player um, that's really simple. You just add the folders to your Akimbo Player library, and you uh, then can select uh, which book you want to read. And it remembers your place uh, in multiple books. It's really great. So I've been using that a lot. As so, well as the Audible app. Okay, so assuming that you're adding these files to your Nexus 7 on a Windows machine, you can actually use Windows Explorer and mm-hmm. the uh, Windows Clipboard to copy and paste these files yes. from your Windows folder to your mm-hmm. whatever folder you choose on your Nexus 7. Yes. If you're using a Mac, it's a little more complicated because you have to use some Android file transfer software which doesn't Mm -hmm. support the clipboard and so you have to use drag and drop Drop. to get the files from your Mac folder to your Nexus 7 folder. Nonetheless, it's it's very doable, but it, it is a little bit easier on a Windows machine because mm-hmm. the Windows machines see the Nexus 7 as a device that you can copy to and from whereas the Mac doesn't without this file transfer software and that that that's an unfortunate thing that I discovered. I haven't tried the app that you just mentioned and with any MP3 files I have used the Audible app quite a bit on the Nexus 7 and it's great. It it is really good and the one thing I find that I like better on the Nexus 7 than on iOS is what the books sound like when you speed them up. I hear less artifact, less distortion on the Nexus 7 than I do on the iPhone or the iPad. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to speeding up because I don't, I don't tend to speed up spoken audio, but I do just notice better sound quality in general. Um, on the Nexus 7, if I'm listening to a book, if I have it on my night table, um, it's a lot better sound quality than the iPhone. Okay, well, that's that's good to know. And is that the iPhone 5 or a different version? iPhone 5. Are there other apps that you are particularly attracted to on the Nexus 7 at this point? I really love the, the Go Read app from Bookshare. Um, I like Google Books. Um, can you tell I like to read? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I asked Ricky Inger about this, and she did not know a way to do it. But in, re- in using Google Books, I have not found a way to review by line or word or character or anything I. like that. I Nor think I. all I've been able to do is just really have the Nexus 7 and talk back, do continuous reading yeah. in, in the book. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, yeah. so I find that to be a bit less flexible than iBooks, iBooks on, yeah. on, on iOS. 
not to say that it isn't workable, but it, it's especially problematic if you're reading maybe a magazine or a book mm-hmm. that's more technical in nature where you'd like to be able to review things. Yeah. I see that as a disadvantage, but, but for Me just too. just reading fiction or reading a magazine article that you just want to read straight through, um, it seems like Google Play Books works quite it's well. Great. Yeah, it's wonderful. I don't want to go on too much longer with this because we will be coming back to demo uh, more of these specific apps maybe next week, but do you have any things that you don't particularly like about working with the Nexus 7 and its accessibility? To be honest with you, nothing that I have run into so far. I need to do more playing around with it in terms of accessing email and tweets. I do tend to revert back to iOS for that only because I love the iOS mail app and I love my tweet list. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody said that um, on one of the mailing lists that Aquamail is a really good email client. Um, And I actually played with the Gmail a little bit itself and it's fine. Um, But I want to try this Aquamail and I also want to try Plume which is a, a, a Twitter client that's apparently very accessible. Yeah, I've been using Plume, and, and it works really well. And I mm-hmm. think that's one thing we can really do some comparison of, say, Plume and, and Tweetlist. Or, yeah, that would be great. I'm a, I'm a fast learner, so I'll be ready by next week. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no doubt about that. I do use the just the default Gmail um, app on the Nexus 7, and I find that it works fine. I like you am still of a mind that it's at this point that is in late January 2013 a bit easier and smoother to access mail and twitter and some of these things on iOS than it is on the Nexus 7 in the Android platform that's not to say it isn't doable it is very doable mm-hmm. but if you have a choice if i have a choice and i just want to quickly review the mail or quickly check on my Twitter timeline, I'm more likely to grab an iOS device as as opposed to the Android at this point. Well, Allison, I want to thank you for your willingness to come on and talk about your experience because we're trying to give people as much of a variety as we can. And the way I thought to do that was to hear from four people who have had varied experiences. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. And I just want to summarize quickly here that the purpose of this part three has been to try to broaden the breadth and depth of what I had reported about my own Android experience by bringing on some other people. I think we have accomplished that quite well because if you've listened to the other interviews, you've heard quite a variety of experiences and people highlighting different things about Android accessibility. In part four, we're going to try to make this a little more real and actually bring you some demonstrations of some of these apps, both on the Android platform and on the iOS platform and highlight some of the similarities and differences to try to give you a flavor of how it really works when you sit down to use one of these things. I'm suspecting at this point that that will probably be the end of 
this series where we devote an entire podcast to Android accessibility. I'm sure we'll be talking about Android accessibility from now on as it evolves and develops. I think it will be getting better. And oh, yeah, it's ever-changing. Ever-changing. Yeah. And I think that it will also be getting to a point where there's likely to be more universal access, that is, TalkBack is likely to get better working with all these apps, although I suspect that in some ways Apple will always have something of an advantage in accessibility in that it controls both the hardware and the software, and it's a lot easier to make accessibility work in an environment that's sandboxed like that. But certainly we will be talking about the pros and cons of both these approaches and try to give you some specific examples of how they're different, not necessarily trying to go for the idea that one is better or worse than the other, but at least it seems fair to me for people to understand what the differences are. Definitely. So that's where we're headed, and I hope you'll join us for part four should have that available sometime within the next couple weeks. Until next time, so long from the Tech Doctor. Bye, everyone.